Welcome to episode eight of the Firestorm Show with your host, Scott Gilbert, on the Charisma Network. In today's show, we meet Deacon Daryl Wentworth. Deacon Daryl is a Catholic deacon, and he's moving in Holy Spirit power. It's an exciting show which will share how the Lord is doing so many amazing things in multiple streams, but they're all being pulled together by Holy Spirit. We can see the commonality that's going on. I know you're going to enjoy it. Hello, my friends. Welcome to the Firestorm Live broadcast. Always a pleasure to spend time with you. The standard show that we have is for regular Christians, I always say, that are just like you, that are moving in Holy Spirit anointing everywhere they go as a normal part of their regular life. And what are they seeing? They are seeing people rededicate their lives to the Lord in the public sphere. They're seeing people supernaturally healed. They're seeing deliverances. They're seeing people set free, bondages broken, age-long, lifelong wounds that are being healed instantly in the grocery store parking lot, in the line at the bank teller. This is a normal thing that's now coming to so many people. The Spirit of God is being poured out on all creation. It's a thrilling time to be alive. And I get to bring you, I get the joy of bringing you guests that are moving in that. So we get to hear amazing testimonies. But you know, it's not about the testimonies as much as it's about the testimonies call all of us upward that there is more. There's more maybe than what you thought. There's more. Run with us. So the testimonies are all designed to call forth, do it again, God, do it again, calling forth more, and that becomes a snowball, and that snowball gets rolling, and my guest tonight is, I'm just thrilled. So I always like to bring you you all things that are, you know, not necessarily, you can't predict them. I like to be unpredictable because it makes, you know, it's more fun. It's more fun for me. It's more fun for you. So many of you might not know my testimony as a little boy. I grew up in the Catholic church. And as some of you are like processing that right now, let me tell you, I was fully saved, fully redeemed in the Catholic church, moving in Holy Spirit connection as a 14 year old. It was a fantastic foundation to my life. Now, I'm ordained. Uh, of course, now I'm ordained by the Baptists, and I'm, I'm, I kind of call myself unaffiliated. I just love Jesus, and it's really just about Jesus. But my heart, my foundation as a kid, my mother faith that grew me into the man I am today was really founded in the beauty of the Roman Catholic Church. And like many of you, I talked to many, many folks that had really a fantastic childhood upbringing foundation. I don't mean childhood age. I mean childhood in the Lord um, in that place. And my guest tonight is my friend Daryl Wentworth, Deacon Daryl. Thank you for being with us, sir. It is always a pleasure to hang out with you. It is. I just love you. I love what God's doing with you. Um, so, Daryl, you are a deacon in the Catholic Church. Right. And maybe you can explain what that means to some of our folks that might not understand the hierarchy. Uh, you're not a priest, but you are... I am ordained clergy, Okay. married. I'm married. I have five children. Okay. So I like to tell people I'm a father, but I've got five kids. <laughs> I see. Okay. Okay. So I've been ordained since 2003, but I've been in ministry since 19, probably 1994. Okay. And have been hanging out in Holy Spirit moving traditions since about 1982. 
I love that because a lot of people, you know, the the, the holy the, the groups that are moving in Holy Spirit connection often are you know the very far Protestant groups, the the Pentecostal groups. You don't think that there are Catholic groups, but there are. Oh, there's millions, hundreds of millions of charismatic Catholics. And in fact, the Catholic charismatic renewal started here in the United States in really 1965 up in Maryland. But the big outpouring was in 1967 at Duquesne University at a retreat center called the Ark and the Dove. Okay. And in 1967, some college students, 21 to 24 year olds, were reading David Wilkerson's book, The Cross and the Switchblade. Oh, yeah, I know that book. And they yeah. really wanted to experience what Pentecostal David Wilkerson uh-huh. had experienced on his day to day to day life. And it was so important for them that they all gathered together for a retreat reading Acts chapter 2 and asking for this Didymus power, this dynamite power of the Holy Spirit to come upon them. And these college students got zapped. (laughs) I love that. They just really got zapped. And the Holy Spirit came on on Dave Mangan, who was a, a college student at the time. And he starts praying in tongues. And then on college student... Patty Gallagher, and she was so zapped that her shoes fell off. Okay. <laughs> and you're saying that, so that's in 1967. 1967. That's what you're dating back the... For the Catholic charismatic. For the Catholic world. side, right. right. Because we can date, you know, other things. We have obviously Azusa in the early part of the 20th century, but before that... Was Topeka. In Topeka, Kansas in and 1901. And that's another one that's really interesting yeah. because the Catholic Pope, Leo XIII, had been praying for 15 years trying to get all of the Christian churches to dedicate the 20th century to the Holy Spirit. Not just the Catholics. Everybody. The Pope of the Catholic Church, which, just to put it in perspective, he's basically the pastor of the largest church in the world. Think of it that way. The pastor of the largest church in the world is praying not just for his flock— but all Christians over the entire world. Anybody who's baptized. Hallelujah. To be what? To filled with the fullness of the Holy Spirit. That was in 19... 19... In 1900. Okay. So on December 31st, 1900, he was had been pretty much ignored mm. by virtually everybody because they were all involved in their own little things. So he stands in front of the Holy Spirit window at the Vatican, and he asks the Holy Spirit to fall upon the entire world. And about 12 hours later, Agnes Osmond and Charles Parham get zapped. And they didn't know in Topeka, Topeka, Kansas. Kansas. And they didn't realize what was happening. They were two Methodists who were part of the holiness movement, the Wesleyan holiness movement. And they had wanted to have that same thing. They wanted to have the Acts chapter 2 church really come alive in them. So they had been praying and praying. They didn't know anything about the Pope. <laughs> they didn't know anything about, you know, Sister Elena Guerrera, who's part of the Society for the Holy Spirit, praying for everybody that the Holy Spirit would come. But they get they get zapped, start speaking in tongues, you know, over the next couple of days, and a fire lights in Topeka, Kansas. 
They get kicked out of Topeka because people don't like these new Pentecostals. Some things haven't changed. Yeah, something <laughs> still hasn't changed. And so the it goes through a lot of gyrations. The property, it gets hit by lightning, burns down. Nobody wants it. So the Catholic Church bought it. And in the 50s, they, they decided to make it into an orphanage and then a Catholic parish. And they named the parish Most Pure Heart of Mary. Okay. Catholic parish. And Mary is the bride of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And so, so it's like this full circle comes yeah. around. And just this year, the Pentecostals and the Charismatics and all the streams of the renewal all across the various different churches have all got together and prayed together for the first time, I think, across every continent. Prayed a prayer, a novena, nine days of prayer between um, Ascension Thursday and Pentecost Sunday. They all prayed the same prayer together. So what I love about you, Daryl, is that you are the whole, the Lord has put you in, you're like the hub of a wheel and there's all these spokes going out. Uh, you know, just before the show, we were sitting here and in a couple of weeks, I'll be going to the National Religious Broadcasters Convention in Dallas. Uh, I am a religious broadcaster, apparently. Who knew? And I just really want to encourage people to, you know, love Jesus and walk in this. And uh, you and I were talking and you said, mm -hmm. well, while you're there, um, this name, this name, this name, these are like huge international names that are trying to get the whole body of Christ globally to come together under the authority of Jesus moving in Holy Spirit gifting. Well, we, we want to recognize what God the Father is doing. Jesus told us, look for the signs of the times. Look for what is happening. When the clouds start coming, you know it's going to rain. Okay. Right? Yeah. Well, when the Holy Spirit is falling upon every Christian tradition and the hunger for the charisms and the hunger for recognition of each other as brothers mm -hmm. and sisters in the one body of Christ occurs, that's not something that man does. No. Satan creates division. Yes. God is the definition of unity. Three distinct persons so unified that they are one God. Yes. And there is only one Holy Spirit. So the same Holy Spirit who anoints the Pope anoints you mm -hmm. and anoints me and anoints every person who's baptized with the same anointing of Jesus. Yes. Don't you know you and yourselves are, are God's temple and God's spirit lives in you. The very right. spirit that rose Jesus from the dead lives in you. Well, I'm I'm thrilled. I love this. And we only have so much time. I would love to hear your kind of where you how did the Lord do this with you to bring you into this position? Because as I was saying, you're the you're like the hub of a wheel, but you're connected to if you can just define the five streams of Christendom that are all coming together under this model of renewal. Well, what the, are those five? The, fir the first stream is our Pentecostal brothers, and there's a lot of Pentecostal traditions, but the Pentecostals are the ones who started the stream in 1901, January 1, 1901. Then the next stream that came on were the Charismatics. And that was actually started <laughs> a lot of a lot of reasons by Pat Robertson. Okay. Okay, because Pat Robertson and Harold Bredesen had been praying up in New York along with this 
crazy Pentecostal named David Wilkerson, and they convinced David Wilkerson to write the book, The Cross and the Switchblade, which a lot of people started reading, which created the Jesus movement. Okay. And many of those became charismatic. And then the Catholics in 1967 were reading that book, and so they surrendered to the Holy Spirit. Because again, if you're baptized, the fullness of the Spirit is there. So we have to surrender to what God has already given us. So there's the Pentecostals first, then there is the Charismatic Churches second, then there's the mainline Protestant churches. All of the the, the seven or eight mainline Protestant churches all of them have been touched with a charismatic dimension. Most of them rejected it, but there's still some that are within it. So that was the third one. And then there is the Catholic Church, or the what I'm going to say is the sacramental churches, the okay. traditional sacramental churches. Because when you say the Catholic Church, there's 22 Catholic churches, and then there's a lot of Orthodox churches. Like Greek, so, Orthodox, yeah, all Russian, those and all those are included. And all of those, all of those sacramental churches, liturgical churches, that's there. And then the last one is the Jews. The Jews. Messianic Jews. Messianic Jews. So okay. those five streams. So that's the and five. And God has been flowing. Oh. He's been pouring out his spirit across all five of these churches. I would love to hear because we we get somewhat myopic in our own world and we think what's happening with us it's you know unique to us but in fact when you can step back and see the 10,000 foot view the 100,000 foot view and you see what God is doing over the whole world he said mm-hmm. my spirit will be poured out on all flesh and as right. the waters cover the earth so will the spirit of God cover the earth i think we're seeing it i think yes. we're it's manifesting in our lifetime right now and this is an opportunity for every believer to get on board with what the spirit is doing and run with us so how did you how did you come to this? As a, were you a good Catholic so, kid? And then, oh, I, I, I was a traditional Catholic kid. Okay, mm-hmm. I actually first I had my first experience with the Holy Spirit um, at my first uh, mass in English. I had okay. learned how to pray the mass in Latin, uh-huh. but I only celebrated one mass and they changed it. And so, okay, but um, back when I was in the Air Force. I went to what was called a Life in the Spirit retreat, uh-huh. which is an introduction into a spirit-led lifestyle. So I got zapped by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Well, I didn't really know whether or not it was true because it wasn't a phenomenal experience, but it was Scripture came alive, and I saw things differently. I, mm-hmm. I, I was my mind was being renewed. I mean, I was looking at things differently. And then I got um, introduced to John Wimber. So down here at the Scope, we were um, having a what was called a Signs and Wonders conference. And okay. I wasn't really sure if I wanted to get involved in all of this stuff. Right. <laughs> here at the Scope right in Norfolk. Right here at the Scope in okay. Norfolk. Okay, And so we were down there and uh, we were in prayer teams and there were two of us who were praying. And I was the, I was the trainee. Okay. And this other woman who had been involved in the renewal for quite some many years, she was the one leading it. This woman comes up and and uh, she was leading and I was just the intercessor. So I'm sitting there, I'm praying in tongues mm-hmm. and um, you're 
called to listen to your conscience, to that Holy Spirit speaking within your heart, not within your mind, within your heart. And as I'm praying and praying in tongues, I get this distinct impression. Ask her about her boyfriend named Tom. So there's a woman coming up for prayer. Coming up for prayer. The Oh, I should probably explain this a little bit better. She was divorced. Mm -hmm. Well, was getting ready to get divorced. Her husband had told her he didn't want anything to do with her anymore. She had said that he, she had not kissed him and they hadn't had Mm -hmm. intimate relationships in over seven years. Mm -hmm. And when he comes up to her, she gets this pains inside and she pushes him away. So she had literally been pushing him away for seven years and he'd had it. Okay. And so she comes basically in your prayer line. In my prayer line. The woman who's leading is praying for her. That's Mm -hmm. good. We try to always have male, male, female, female. Mm -hmm. Anyway, it's just healthier in a lot of ways. So you're standing back, young, you know, the junior trainee. First time. And you are, you know, praying in, in the spirit and you're asking for the Lord to give you insight and what, what and bubbles into your heart? So the first thing is, ask her about her, her boyfriend named Tom. And so I look at her right in the eyes and I says, I just have the sense that the Lord wants me to ask you about your boyfriend named Tom. She says, I haven't hugged anybody. I don't know anybody named Tom. I don't have a boyfriend named Tom. So I you know, stood back on this. And I was like, so I look back and I go, okay. So I start praying and, and I get this really strong sense. Ask her about her teenage boyfriend named Tom. And I go, Okay, so I look her in the eye and I want to be obedient because, you know, Jesus learns obedience from what he suffered. So I'm going to go through this suffering. And so I look her in the eye and I say, okay, so tell me about your teenage boyfriend named Tom. She looks at me very angry. I don't know anybody named Tom. I already told you I don't know anybody named Tom. And she's a full-grown woman. And so she's, if you're suggesting she's in her 30s, late, that late, she late, has late. a teenage boyfriend. Right, right. That's, okay. yeah. and so, so here I am praying again. And I just get this sense again. It's really strong. And so I, I just tell God, you get one more chance. Okay. If you don't do it right now, yeah. I'm out of here. This, yeah. is, this is just too crazy. Yeah. Give you one chance. You tell me exactly what to say, mm-hmm. and I'll say exactly what you tell me to say. So I practice in my conscience what I'm mm-hmm. going to say. And then I look her in the eyes and I say, when you were a teenager, tell me about your teenage boyfriend named Tom. Instant tears. Now, this is the 80s, so heavy mascara. She's crying so crazy that she's got streams coming down her face. Mm. She's screaming at the top of her lungs. Screaming at the top of her lungs. Sorry about that. Anyway, and everybody's looking at me, and the woman who's praying with me steps into the crowd. So now I'm alone. So she's like, I'm out of here. She's out of here. You got it. Okay. So I look at this woman who who I'm looking at, and... and, uh, she finally calms down, and uh, so I said, who's Tom? She says, well, when I was 15 years old, teenage, when I was 15 years old, I had a crush on my brother's best friend. And he went off to Vietnam and had been killed the first mm. week. And I made a vow, pronouncement, mm. that I will never love anybody again. Well, 15-year-old, that goes away. And that boy In, was Tom. That boy was Tom. His name was Tom. Yes, God gave me the name of the person that was causing the problem with their marriage. So in the process, I talked to her, and we, you know, I'm Catholic. I pray for anybody. So I prayed, I prayed for Tom. I prayed for her, prayed for her husband, and then the miracle happened. Her husband had been watching television and was watching a football game, and back in the, the 80s, these Mormon commercials are up, and this Mormon commercial comes up that says, 
give your wife another chance. Okay. So he gets up from the game, comes down to the scope. He walks into the door exactly at the same moment that the prayer was ended. She looks down the aisle, freaking out that she sees him. She runs down the aisle, throws her arms around him, plants this huge kiss on him. Now he's crying like crazy. He hasn't been kissed in seven years. And then she tells the story to him. He comes up and God restored their marriage. Right there. Right there. In a moment. From a 24-year-old kid, I'm hooked. (laughs) This is great stuff. You don't learn this in the seminary. Yeah. Okay? This is learning to listen to your conscience. And all the good and all the love that wants to get, and man, I'm I'm hooked. That's how I got started. I'm hooked just hearing that testimony, <laughs> and I already was hooked. So, yeah. And, you know, if you're listening to that and you are saying that is way outside of my norm, in fact, you might be saying, wow, they, they might be out of their minds. No, we're not out of our mind. We might be out of your mind, though. <laughs> this is available to every single believer. If yeah, you absolutely. – if you have confessed Jesus as Lord, the word says that first you will be saved, but then the Holy Spirit of God comes to reside, live within you. It is part of the salvation experience. You might not feel anything. It's not about feelings. We don't walk by feelings. Mm-hmm. We walk by faith. And the word says that the very spirit that rose Jesus from the dead lives in you. But until you get to a place where it gets activated, where you start moving in it, your enemy, we have a supernatural enemy that wants to steal, kill, and destroy. This is what he did with me. He just kind of tamps that down and covers you with, I call them wet spiritual blankets to keep you ineffective Because once you have a spirit-filled believer, you know that you can destroy his kingdom. And I I caveat that, that the enemy is not a king, so he doesn't have a kingdom. He's a prince at best. But it's kind of weird to say you can destroy his principality. So, But you get it. So once you get a hold of the reality of what I say, your sonship— of how your heavenly father sees you because of the blood of Jesus, you are now an incredible supernatural weapon against the enemy. He doesn't want you to know that. He wants you to just stay in obscurity. But part of the Firestorm Live broadcast is about calling you upward and saying there is more. Let me show you what it looks like, and then you too come activate, run with us, and see the Lord do the same thing with you that he did with Deacon Daryl here, the same things that I see him do. This is not for the elite few. This is for absolutely every believer. So let's talk about that a little more, Daryl. There are five streams of renewal. In the, current, in the current of grace, we call it. Okay, so I, let, let's talk about the current of grace first okay. Okay, and what this current of grace is. So out every Christian that is baptized is filled with an amazing grace. That's why we call it amazing grace. Mm-hmm. And grace is a gift. It's a free will gift mm-hmm. from God that fills us with every spiritual blessing in the heavens. It's not deserved. It's not warranted. It's a gift. Yes. And that gift is something that we surrender to. Mm -hmm. We open up the gift. God gives us the gift at our baptism. And it's all of these gifts is so that we can do Jesus's ministry. Yes. It's not our own ministry. 
It's Jesus's ministry. So Jesus's ministry in his priesthood, Jesus's ministry as a prophet, Jesus's ministry as a king, Jesus's ministry as a reconciler. Mm -hmm. We are real ambassadors for Christ to the world. Mm -hmm. We are filled with the fullness of the Holy Spirit and are called to be bold witnesses. So when all of us in all of these streams recognize we have a common baptism, God the Father has already made us the church. Yes. And the church is the body of Christ. And ever since three, at least the 120s, where we have the Apostles' Creed, but at least 326, where all of the leadership of the church all got together, we then defined the church as being one holy, Catholic, and apostolic, all adjectives, yes, not capital letters. They're not nouns. There's not a oneness church. There's not a holy church. There's not a Catholic church. There's not an apostolic church. The church is one holy, Catholic, and apostolic. And the church already is one. We have to surrender to the fact, even though we may not like it, <laughs> okay, that you are my brother, and I am your brother, and there is only one God the Father, there is only one Jesus the Son, there is only one Holy Spirit. So as we move into this, the Pentecostals are teaching us certain things about the holiness movement. Mm. The Catholic Church is showing us all the ways that it, this is for everybody, universal, Catholic. It's for everybody. Even those who are not baptized yet, God created them. And there's this huge identity crisis all over the world because we want to reject that God is the one who created us. But this is for everybody. And it's apostolic. And that's where the new charismatics are really helping and the evangelicals are really helping to realize that this is an empowerment to go out and be apostolic, to be sent, A sent one. in the person of God and do as what the apostles did. Yeah. So all five streams, the Pentecostals, the New Charismatics, the liturgical churches, the Messianic Jews, and those renewal-minded Protestants who want to hold on to the truth of Scripture and actually teach what the Scripture authentically says. Those are the streams. And we're seeing this being poured out Everywhere. over the whole world. Over the whole world. You're anyway. seeing it, your media connection, your media ministry um, that will, in fact, if you're watching us on Facebook tonight, or if you're listening to us on, on the radio, this broadcast is going to go out tonight to on where? CMAX TV and on Awakening the Domestic Church to all six continents. We, we kind of leave out Antarctica because they're just cold hearted. <laughs> Well said. Thank you. But this will go out. This broadcast. Hey, the joy of right the Lord now. is my strength. Okay, let's get real. <laughs> it is true. You are so strong. Yes. Uh, this will go into China. China. This will go into the. India. India. Um, all across Brazil. All across Africa. 
um, uh, my friends in Germany and England, in India, in yeah. in um, Australia, Singapore, the Philippines, inside mainland China. Eventually, it takes a little bit of a while to get it, you know. So, but it'll go everywhere. Amazing, and that is the Lord's Spirit is being poured out on all flesh. He is calling all men to himself. Mm -hmm. And the signs and wonders, although we don't chase miracles, Mm -mm. they are the calling cards of God. We don't chase miracles. They actually chase us. It says in Mark that these signs will follow those who believe. Right. You know, and Jesus is talking to the, you know, the original disciples, the original apostles. This is as he's ascending. He says, these signs, baptize everyone in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he, he goes on to say in Mark, these signs will follow those who believe. Right. It would have been very easy for him to say, these signs will follow you. You mm-hmm. apostles, you disciples that are here today, these signs will follow you. He didn't say that. He said these signs will follow all those who believe. That's you and me today. So for me, what changed in my heart was I just started to see myself the way the Lord said I was. Mm-hmm. I have faith that what he said is true. He said these signs will follow those who believe. Well, I believe, Lord. Okay, and then as I started praying for people, and it wasn't praying for people just inside the church. That was the difference, is that I was very comfortable praying in the church. That's what we do there, but I didn't Mm -hmm. see much. I didn't really, I never saw anybody healed. I mean, people were polite, but I never saw chains and bondages break off of people. I never saw the light return to their eyes. I I never saw any of that. It wasn't until I started praying for people in the public square, Mm -hmm. in the Home Depot shop, you know, parking lot, or even inside the store or wherever, uh, at the park, at the mall, I saw people changing. I saw the Holy Spirit radically break into people's lives and did something that I had no capacity to do with my clever words. It Mm -hmm. was obviously not me. And that's available to absolutely every single believer. Mm-hmm. And you're seeing this across the whole world, which is thrilling. You're listening to the Firestorm Live broadcast with your host, Scott Gilbert. I am so thankful that you tuned in today. We're coming to you out of Cheriton, Virginia. And our heart is that you would know, one, how much Jesus loves you, that he paid a price, that all of heaven went bankrupt for you because you are so precious to your heavenly father. And he wants you to know that. We also want you to know that once you get a revelation of how much the Lord loves you, that love will start pouring out of you to other people around you. This is what I believe the Lord meant when he said, out of you will come rivers of living water. Well, you can't pour out what you don't have. So we are gonna pray that you would just be filled with his presence and those rivers of living water would pour out of you. And then they pour out on everybody all around you. People start changing. People start getting touched by the presence of God. Not because you're uniquely holy. No, but because of God in you is going to accomplish his purpose. So, Father, I just thank you for every single listener right now. I thank you for everybody that will tune into this, Lord, across the world. Lord, you love them so much. You went to the cross, but for the joy set before you, you endured the cross. And the joy is every single person listening right now, believers, unbelievers, all of them, everybody, you are loved by God. He sees you. He loves you. He's not mad at you about anything. Your heavenly father is not looking at you with a crinkled brow, 
saying, is that the best you can do? Come on, I expected more. No, no, no. That's not what your father is saying. Your father is saying, I love you so much. Let me show you what it looks like. My son. My son with open arms nailed to a tree. That's what love looks like. And for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. That's you. So, Father, I thank you, Lord, to call everyone within the sound of my voice and everyone watching this around the world, mm-hmm. call them to yourself, Lord, that they would know how much you love them, that the name of Jesus would be glorified in the hearts and minds of every single believer. Touch them right now in Jesus' name. So the Firestorm Live broadcast is brought to you by just regular Christians. We are all, we don't have any big ministries. Nobody actually has a job that they go to with a building with a steeple on top. We are all just normal people. I'm a business owner. Um, Most of my guests are just your standard people that we're friends with in the community because we want to provoke you. We want to provoke you that this is for everyone. Mm -hmm. It's not just for the spiritual elite. In fact, it's specifically for everybody. So my guest tonight is Deacon Daryl Wentworth. And Deacon Daryl, you are a Catholic deacon. Mm -hmm. A lot of my evangelical listeners, that'll get their antenna up because they didn't expect that. (laughs) But not only are you a Catholic deacon— which means he can get married. Maybe he'll talk about that. I've already been married. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, you got some kids. Yep. Okay. So not only are you a Catholic clergyman, but you are spirit-filled. You are seeing the Lord touch people as a normal part of your life, and the Lord has used you and, and co-labored with you to connect all the streams of Christendom around mm-hmm. the world, you're connected and you're seeing how Holy Spirit is joining all of these together in unity. Okay, so I'm not the one connecting them. <laughs> of course, the Holy Spirit is connecting <laughs> so let's, them. Let's, yeah, w- w- the, the most prayed Catholic prayer is glory be to the Father and to the Son and to, to the, the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. And I add, and not to Daryl Wentworth. Okay. Amen. Okay. Yes. So th- there's, I, I am, I am just a guy who just happens to be used to connect the dots. Mm-hmm. When you, when you were a kid, you always had these things in, in these magazines that was just a whole series of dots with numbers on it. Yeah. Okay. And I'm the guy I'm, I'm again, like the pencil. Okay. I connect one dot to another and another dot to another so that I can help people realize that there is only one church and that the prayer of Jesus in John 17 is that the church would recognize its unity. Right. Not become unified. It's not. It wasn't in Paul's age. When Paul was going around doing all the charisms and doing all the ministries, he had... Jewish Christians following him who didn't believe Gentiles could be Christians. Right. Okay. So there was a big level of disunity within the church. Paul and Barnabas split with each other and never reconciled before he died. So the level of disunity has been in existence since the Acts of the Apostles. Okay. Okay. So let's understand that. We've never agreed on theological things, totally. What is the miracle of what is happening today is when you talk to the theologians all across the streams, within the five streams of renewal, 
they now are stating that the five streams pretty much agree on 85% of theology. Amen. That's huge. You would be hard pressed to just pick anybody. In I don't your, agree with my well, wife. That I know. Much. <laughs> I was going to say it. I didn't know if I would go. There. You, you know, your best friend, your people you're closest to, you would probably be hard pressed to find eighty five percent of commonality with that person. Right. And you're saying but that among the truths of the gospel, the core beliefs of the gospel, we agree on eighty five percent of major theological issues, even on justification by faith. Yeah. That one was solved, the whole thing that split the Western church with Luther, that was solved between the Lutherans and the Catholics and the Methodists yeah. and the Anglicans and um, the, yeah, the United Methodists um, since 1998. I remember that. I had a yes, dear Catholic friend. Thing. That came to me and he said, did you know that the, you know, that big argument from the Reformation, you know, faith alone and Jesus Christ alone. And, the, you know, the Catholics like, no, no, it's the church, too. That was like the schism. Did you know that was solved? It's solved. I didn't know. It and just happened. And they now modified it to go even deeper just within the last couple of years. Yeah. So the problem is, is that these agreements are made among the hierarchies, but it doesn't get down to you and I. Yes. So what my job is, what I do is I try to help the common people, the, the neighborhoods, come to realize that God has already made us one. And God the Father, John 6, verse 45, God the Father wants to be the one to teach us and lead us to fullness of truth. And that's going to happen in the place where you're living. Let me ask you a question. Yes. When you decided to move into your house a mm -hmm. couple of months before, when you had decided that you were going to move, didn't you ask God, would you lead me to the house that I'm supposed to live in? Absolutely. Okay. Do you think God answered your prayer? I know he did. Now, do you think that God answered the prayer for every one of your neighbors? Yes. Right. So why is it that God has put you into community? It's already community with all the people who've already prayed to be led into that same neighborhood. Because he has a bigger plan? Because he's got a lot bigger plan. From the foundation of the, the world, world, he knew that you were going to be living in that neighborhood with Christians of other traditions who need to pray for the conversion of their neighborhood. So that's a large part of your ministry. That's a large part of our ministry. We want to create neighborhood-based communities. That's awakening the domestic church so that the... You cannot take everybody who's alive right now who needs to have Jesus as their Lord and Savior and put them into any institutional church. It's not going to happen. Yeah. There's no longer buildings large enough to hold everybody. You would spend millions of dollars to put them into all these various different places. Yet, how many people need to be saved? All of them. Only the ones that are living. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's only 7.8 billion people. Right. And there's about 2 billion Christians. Yeah. Okay. So the 2 billion Christians need to realize that they are Jesus, Ooh. his real presence in their neighborhood. Yes. They need to find out who else is in their neighborhood who's a real Christian have them come together with one another and start praying for their neighborhood mm -hmm. 
and then help people find their true identity in Christ because our whole world has got an identity crisis. Yes. We want to have identity in our race, in our gender, in our ethnic in our in our religion, in our sports team. Some people are so into sports that if you're not a Washington fan, because yeah. you can't, they can't even, they don't even know what their identity is now. Yeah. Okay. If you're not a fan of the Washington football team, then you're not the true fan mm. because they find their identity in some material thing instead of finding our true identity in the body of Jesus that is the church. Amen. And I mean, honestly, the identity is a foundational point that if you want to see more, the Lord move through you in the normal part of your life, the first step is know you're loved. We prayed about Mm -hmm. that earlier. Number two, though, is know that he wants to, the Lord wants to co-labor with you. He's not angry at you. In fact, he's actually, we're not waiting on God to do anything. He's already done everything. That's why Jesus could say it's finished on the cross. Mm -hmm. He's waiting on us. And I loved what you just said a minute ago. He's waiting on us to step out. But we often get so tied up, I find with myself, in my own head, in my own interest, in my own introversion, that I do don't step out. I don't talk to the person behind me in line at Starbucks about the Lord. Um, and, and you never make it weird. You, you never make it weird. You start with, hey, how's your day? And you just see where it goes. But what I found is when you get a revelation, this is Ephesians chapter one, I'm going to read to you. Ephesians one, um, three and four, four is the good one. Um, once you get a revelation of how your father sees you, it frees you up to make it not so much. It's not about you. Right. It's not about what you think. It's not about what you feel. It's mm-hmm. about submitting to the spirit of God that's within you. And the spirit of God is really tenacious. He is going after people when I get me out of the way. I think that's why Jesus said anyone who would come after me must first Follow me. deny I himself. Yeah. Number one, deny himself. himself. We don't talk about that so much. Yeah, that's, that's really true. tough. Deny himself. Well, well, that means what you're thinking, what you're feeling right now. Anyone who come after me must first deny himself. Listen to Ephesians 1. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual mm-hmm. blessing in the heavenly realms mm-hmm. because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Before he made the world, God loved you, and he chose you in Christ to be holy and flawless in his sight. You know, you can't change how somebody sees you. Mm -hmm. You can do whatever, but it's on them of how they see you. This is how your heavenly father sees you. Let the spirit wash this over you, that your heavenly father loved you before the creation of the world and chose you then. And the idea is it's almost like a choice among several, like um, not that one, that one. Yeah, that one. That's the one I want. And he reaches in. He chose you in Christ to be holy and without fault. In his eyes, that's how he sees you. Once you get a revelation of that, it gets you out of the way. And then he can flow 
and he does flow. So let's tell some more testimonies. <laughs> I love your testimonies. That The last one was fire. So what else are you seeing uh, God doing through any of these streams or your own life even? Uh, well, um, I'm going to share one that happened. I didn't share this with you before, but I'm going to share one that happened last week. Okay. I yeah. love it. These are contemporaneous, yeah. folks. This is not, hey, 10 years ago when I was in India. No, no, no. This is last week. This is yesterday, and this is what the firestorm teams are seeing normal every day last okay. week. Last week. Okay, now this one's going to be different than what most people think, okay, because it's not a healing, That's okay. but it's a spiritual healing. Mm -hmm. Because remember, Jesus learned obedience through what he suffered, and that's why we surrender to the will of the Father, second intercession of the Our Father. Your kingdom come, your, your will, will be, be done. done on earth as it is in heaven. That means starting with me. So a friend of mine um, two weeks ago had a sinus problem, went to the doctor, and the doctor says, I'm sorry, there's nothing we can do. You have stage four terminal cancer. You have two weeks to live. Wow. Okay. So his wife calls me up and says, uh, can you come over and pray? I just got hit with X. Okay, so I said, sure. I dropped everything, got in the car, drove over to their house. We sat down and we prayed. We just simply prayed for wh what happened. And, and I said, what is it that you want God to do? And he told me, I want to have time so that I can say goodbye. Mm. They had been praying. They're Anglican. They had been praying that the Lord would not take them suddenly, that they would have a drawn-out death. Mm. That's their nightly prayer. Well, when he went to the hospital, his um, salt level was so low that he could have died right then had his wife not taken him right at that moment. So God had been in the midst honoring her prayer yeah. okay so he comes home we're praying and then last Sunday I went back down there and we had new charismatics Anglicans I think a Lutheran a Baptist and a Catholic all praying for him together mm -hmm. his death became an ecumenical prayer for reconciliation of hearts and I was he, he died last week on Saturday night and she had said I, I just don't want him to die in bed with me I want him to die before we go to bed at 1030 he died so God answered that prayer what is so cool is that God in the midst of all of the pain and the suffering is giving him incredible peace. We're having these prayer meetings in his room. He sits up and he says, I could leave right now. I feel like I'm in heaven right now. No pain, but immense joy, immense peace. We're all going to die, everyone. And, and when you pray for someone, What's important to realize is that 
healing signs, wonders, miracles are not salvation. Right. Okay. Go back to the story I told you before. Okay. So when I was young and I was praying, there was this woman who was, she taught me how to drive. And I'm, I, when my father died, I went home and I was the executor of the estate. So I, I drive in and I'm a really meticulous packer and I'm pulling off the interstate in Michigan as I'm coming home. And it's at that moment that I realized that I forgot my toothbrush. Why did I forget it right at that moment? Why did I remind, remind myself? So I said, you know what? I'm just going to stop into Kmart and pick up a toothbrush. So I pull into Kmart and I go in to pick up my toothbrush and I see her walking toward me. The lady that taught you to the drive. The lady that taught me to drive. Now, I haven't seen her in years. And she says, Daryl, hey, it's nice to see you. And I says, oh, how are you doing? How you? So we start to catch up. I says, how are you feeling? How are you feeling? She says, well, actually not too, not too good. I had surgery a couple of months ago and I can't go back to work. She was an ER nurse. She says, every time I go into the emergency room, I have a panic attack and I've been out for six weeks. Wow. Out for six weeks. So, so, well, let us pray. Let me pray with you. So we stepped out of the aisle into the lingerie section. So oh, we're, in Kmart. In Kmart. Yeah, high-end stuff. Yeah. And, and the air conditioner is right overhead and I start praying and the Holy Spirit falls all over her. She's sweating underneath an air conditioning duct. Her eyes are flittering and she just senses the presence of the Lord. I have no idea what I said, except Lord bless you and Lord heal your body, this, you know, your entire body and take away this, whatever it is that's causing it. Cause I didn't even know. I said, now call me tomorrow and tell me the next time you go to work. Well, she said, I'm not going to work till Thursday. And this was on a Monday. So I says, okay, well, call me Thursday. Tell me what happens when you go back to work. So she goes back to work on Thursday. Thursday afternoon, she calls me. I went back to work. All the panic is gone. And I can go back to work. So she was instantly healed. But I made a huge mistake. I didn't preach the gospel to her at that moment. Some years later, she fell away, got divorced, had a horrible affair. She didn't take the sign and the wonder, and I didn't preach the gospel at that moment. So the signs and the wonders and the preaching of the gospel have to go hand in hand. Yes. Have to go hand in hand. These signs will follow those who believe. So if you see it, happening and God is healing somebody, you have to preach the gospel. Amen. Amen. I love that you share that because, you know, there there is a fringe group and all this that they're just ravenous for the signs and wonders. And it's it's thrilling. I mean, it's really exciting when somebody gets healed. I mean, I've seen blind eyes open. I've seen, mm-hmm. you know, deaf ear. I've seen, I've seen one resurrection. I've seen, this is real. This is really happening. I had a lady just last week actually it was about two weeks ago now, uh, that was in one of our martial arts schools. And I noticed she had a carpal tunnel brace on her mm-hmm. arm or it looked like a carpal tunnel. I don't know her well. She's only been with us. Her family's been with us for about a month or two. And uh, I, I just kind of hollered over to her, hey, what's up with your wrist? And uh, she said, it's a long story. So when I was done and I was free, I walked over and I said, so what's up with your wrist? And she says, well, actually, I had surgery years ago 
uh, and to something in my hand. And since then, I have nerve pain. It's like carpal mm-hmm. tunnel, but it's not carpal tunnel. They said there's nothing they can do about it. And it's been going on for years with no, with no hope. And I said, wow. Well, I'd love to pray for your wrist. You know, Jesus still heals. He just uses his kids to heal his other kids right mm-hmm. now. Yeah. Um, and she, she allowed me. Quick prayer. Doesn't take long. In fact, less is more. It's not about fancy words. Uh, and it was just real quick. Father, you love my sister. We'll call her Mary. Father, you love my sister Mary. Thank you, Lord, for healing power. And right now in the authority of Jesus Christ, I command wrist be healed. New nerves grow right now. All pain, get out. To the glory of our great King in Jesus' name, and I said, "Okay, what do you what do you notice?" She thanked me first, like, "Okay, it's done." Mm-hmm. No, it's not done because we got to find out what's going on. Yeah. So I said, "Okay, what do you?" She took off her brace, and she's like, "It doesn't hurt at all." She's moving her thumb, and I said, "That's Jesus. He's touching mm-hmm. your body right now." So here's the right. point with that: if I had just left it, yay, yay, that's amazing. Jesus loves you, which is true. Mm-hmm. What I want to do is I want to take it around full circle and I say, that's Jesus. He is touching your body right now. He loves you so much. Would you like to thank him? Right. When we go to, would you like to thank him? Often people would say, well, yeah, how do I do that? And you just preach the gospel to them. You just, and then they, they welcome him into their heart as well. Mm -hmm. So we did that left off. She goes. I basically confirmed her salvation. She was already a believer. Mm-hmm. It was beautiful. And uh, I just saw her again. It was yesterday. It was last night. So this is an immediate testimony. And I saw her again. And I said, hey, what's up? with? She's not wearing a brace. Hey, what's up with your wrist? And she's telling me and the person that's sitting next to her, it was amazing. When you prayed mm-hmm. for me, I felt heat all through here. And I felt things like coming back together inside. I've had no pain And that was two weeks ago. And I said again, that's Jesus. He loves you. He's touching your body right now. Amen. One day after mass, I was praying for a guy and he and his wife came up and they knew that I pray for people. And my wife and I were there. So he came up and and he says, I've got cancer. Mm. So I said, tell me your story. He says, well, I haven't been to church in a long time. Mm. And so I says, well, let's pray. And so I prayed for him. Mm-hmm. And I, just like the word of command, I commanded the cancer to leave his body. He felt he felt this heat yeah. all the way through his body. And I go, well, that's probably the Holy Spirit healing and burning all the other way. Yeah. But when you're done, make certain that you go to sacramental reconciliation. Okay. You go to the you go to confession, you tell the priest mm-hmm. all of your sins and go through all of that. Well, sure enough, next week he's there. Yeah. Okay, he comes back and he tells me the doctors have confirmed all the cancer was burned out of my body. He's cancer free. He's totally cancer free. And he's coming back to church. The miracle caused the reconciliation. Yes. Because he realized his sin and then he reconfirmed his life to the Lord. Praise God. And I love that, that, that yeah. you directed him. You know, the, the word says, confess your sins one to another. Right. It's a beautiful, um, you know, and the Catholics have taken it to the zenith of making it a sacrament. And it's a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. I remember as a child, it's a beautiful thing of the, the release and the forgiveness that you experience. The cleansing you get. 
And it's not just for Catholics. This is for everyone. Find someone that's trustworthy. Right. Well, that's the key. (laughs) That's the key. That's why we have, we go to a priest. (laughs) Yeah, go to, go to, yeah, exactly. Well, we are nearing the end of our show. I want to thank you for listening to the Firestorm Live broadcast. I'm your host, Scott Gilbert. If you would like to get a hold of us, if you'd like to connect with the Firestorm United team, uh, you know, we have a lot of really neat things coming up. So this Friday, Sean Foyt, Let Us Worship, is going to be at the oceanfront in Virginia Beach. There will be thousands of people. This is a movement that the Lord is birthing across the country. You will you will be in the presence of the Lord. Sean, I've known Sean since he was a teenager and the the presence of the Lord and the the way that he leads worship is just anointed. You got to come. You got to see it. It's down at the oceanfront Friday evening. I think it starts at six or seven o'clock. You can find it. And then the Rudy, following. Rudy Inlet. It's a Rudy Inlet. Yeah. yeah. And, and this is across the spectrum. This is Catholics and Baptists mm-hmm. and Methodists and Episcopalians and, uh, you know, people that are unaffiliated. It's all of us. It's the body of Christ coming together. And when we do that. The Lord is so glorified. His spirit is just made manifest. Mm -hmm. It is magnified. So I invite you to come out and be part of that. My guest tonight was Deacon Daryl Wentworth. Deacon Daryl, it is always a joy. It's always nice to be with you too, Scott. I love it. And I love just the depth and the just the naturalness of how you talk about this, of how the Lord has used you. It's thrilling. So if we could pray for, we just have a little bit less than two minutes left. If we could pray for, if you could pray for all of our listeners for unity, this is available to all Mm -hmm. of us. And I remember you were mentioning that there is a prayer that was prayed over all five streams. All five streams prayed a prayer of surrender to the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to pray that prayer with us now. Okay. Heavenly Father, you inspired your son, Jesus, our Lord, to teach us. That if we ask for your Holy Spirit, then you will surely give him to us. Father, I ask you to immerse me into the life of your Holy Spirit. I surrender my life to your will and my will over to you and ask you to flood me with the love you share with your son. Baptize me in your Holy Spirit. I also ask you, Father, to renew in me the anointing you gave me at my baptism when you anointed me with Jesus' anointing of priest, prophet, and king. Help me to live a faithful priestly life, leading others to worship of you. Help me to be a modern prophet by bringing your word into every situation. Help me to live out Jesus' kingship, to renew the culture through your holy will. I ask this through Jesus, my Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Firestorm Podcast with your host, Scott Gilbert. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and subscribe wherever you listen. If you're looking for more about the Firestorm Equipping Ministry, you can find us on the web at firestormunited.org. We're also on Facebook at Firestorm United. If you'd like to partner with us, equipping the body of Christ for revival, you can give on our website, firestormunited.org. All donations are tax deductible. In our next episode, we will meet Howard Lankford. Howard and his wife have grown kids. He's got a history in law enforcement. His wife's an author. They're very regular, normal believers, beautiful believers. But this is a resurrection show. 
Yes, Jesus said that his followers would do the same things he did. That means raising the dead. Howard has seen a resurrection. I was part of it. And it's an amazing testimony of the Lord's beauty and faithfulness in spite of death. Tune in to episode nine of the Firestorm Show, where we will meet Howard Lankford and a testimony of resurrection.